Thank you very much for listening to the Green Element podcast. We really value your opinion and we're wondering if you could take part in a survey that helps make this podcast better, please. www.greenelement.co.uk podcast survey. I hope you enjoy this episode. We've got Nick Addison from Pro Earth today. It, he's got an amazing product. It's basically it's a spill kit, but it's an environmentally friendly spill kit. It saves money, saves time, and saves the environment. Very much for joining the Green Element podcast. Um, I'm really looking forward to listening and understanding more about what it is that you do as an organisation and how you are trying to save the world. Um, if you could just let us know um, what your purpose is and who you work with, that would be that would be brilliant. Thank. You. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that uh, we started Pro Earth um, when we started to have grandchildren. And we were looking around and saying, hmm, we're not overly keen on the way the environment is treated. And we were speaking to some people that we know that work in construction. And they were telling us of the problems that they had um, during construction. On, the, uh, uh, on controlling pollution on both the land and on, especially on the water. So we started, uh, Alex, my wife and I, to look around at uh, various products that would help prevent contamination during the construction processes. Um, and we found several um, that could have been um, corn-based, uh, obviously coir-based. Um, but then we found something um, in Canada, which was based on a sphagnum peat moss. Um, and we brought it over to the UK and we presented it to the construction industry or one of the environment agency WEM6 framework contractors. Um, and it was very different for them because uh, instead of um, being an adsorbent where um, pollution sticks to the outside of an element, this actually was hollow and drew something inside it. And it's a completely natural product. So we presented it to the environment agency who said immediately, this is sphagnum peat moss. Uh, our peat bogs have been decimated over the last 200 years. You may not use it. So we had a bit of a, an impasse there. Um, we uh, have 280 million acres of peat moss available in Canada. Um, at the moment, we harvest less than 0.2% of it a year. Um, and we have a new way of harvesting which is really quite cool because as we approach a peat bog, we take all of the flora off the top of the bog and then we just harvest 50 mil underneath it. And then we push all the flora back onto the top of the bog and that encourages the regrowth of the peat 60 or 70 times faster than normal. Right. So whilst we're harvesting about 0.2% of, of available, we're regenerating at 15% of the year. And when, not my figures, either the Canadian Peat Moss Association figures, when we put that to the environment agency, uh, their innovations team said, yeah, actually, this, this is sustainable. And for industrial purposes, not horticultural purposes, it, it can be used. So when we looked at it, we said, how on earth does this work? Because it's actually drawing hydrocarbons and chemicals that are spilt um, into its molecular structure, and it encapsulates them, and it traps them. And they'll never be able to leach out. And the really cool thing about this is that um, it creates a haven for naturally occurring microbes that will then break down and recycle the hydrocarbon into uh, less or non-toxic substances. 
So we're encouraging bioremediation at the same time as protecting the environment. The next thing that we noticed, of course, was that um, the sphagnum peat moss, which we have a proprietary way of, of harvesting and of, of preparing this product, um, the one thing it won't absorb is water, which means that it works just as well on water as it does on land. So if we have a hydrocarbon spilt in the water, we know that by filtering that water through the safe soil product, um, we take all of the hydrocarbon out. And the same can be said of most chemicals and heavy metals. So the big five, which is um, chromium, copper, lead, nickel, and zinc, we know we can remove from water. So this made us think, well, this is an ideal um, way of protecting and preserving the environment during a construction process. But of course, now we're looking at, at behavioral change. So we started to talk to the environmental advisors that work for the large construction companies. And we found that we had something in common with them. And it wasn't just that we wanted to sell them product. It was the fact that we wanted to ensure that they reduced the risk of pollution and that we didn't turn an accident into an incident. So we've started with what we call C, um, which is um, Site Environmental Awareness where we go to construction sites um, and we have um, a presentation whereby we talk about how we can take preventative measures to protect the vulnerable areas. An example would be if you're working uh, on an industrial estate and you've got a lot of plant that's working there and there's a possibility of spillage or a pipe burst or fuel tank rupture. The first thing that we have is a lot of pot drains. So what we should be doing is we should be looking at protecting the pot drains before anything happens. And we therefore would say the same about a waterway or anywhere where a plant is working all the time. They should all have some kind of spill catching arrangement underneath them at all times. So that if there is an accident, something is there that prevents pollution to the environment. So that's really where we, 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 um, we started and we, we, um, we supply um, spill control equipment, which is very different from anybody else, um, to things like uh, Crossrail, to the um, Environment Agency framework contracts, um, and uh, the Russian, German, new pipeline, gas pipeline that's going in. Um, but we were looking at um, not just the spill control, and not just the prevention and um, the way that we um, um, the way that we address the problems of um, environmental pollution. Um, we started to find that we could do things um, with the peat moss um, that we didn't realise we could do. For example, um, in the water industry today, wastewater um, is changing. Um, wastewater companies or water companies have installed water meters in most of their houses. That encourages um, people not to use as much water. That's a good thing. Um, however, of course, when we have a dry spell, it actually concentrates the waste. And um, because we use different chemicals to clean ourselves and our clothes, et cetera, et cetera, and our diets have changed, we increase the levels of heavy metals, in particular copper in the wastewater. And this means that um, 
as 90% of our wastewater is discharged back into the rivers, we have to be very careful of the copper content. It's pretty harmless to humans, but it will kill the mollusks and the fish in the rivers, which um, disturbs the balance of the ecology. Yeah, sure. So what could we do? Well, we found that um, if we use the wastewater with a high co copper content, we could remove that copper from the water just on a purely um, uh, filter, a, a, a very um, low-tech uh, filtration system. So all of a sudden we can control um, the amount of heavy metal pollution that's in the wastewater before we discharge. And we can record those levels so that we know that we're doing it all the time. The, the downside to that sort of thing is, of course, that it, uh, it, it lowered the, uh, the alkalinity of the water, which is quite interesting. So you have to rebalance the pH before you discharge. But here's another thing, that because we lower the alkalinity of the water, we now start to address, possibly, one of the biggest problems the construction industry has, and that's concrete washout water, which is so toxic it cannot even be put into foul waste. It needs to be treated. And there are various chemical ways of treating it. But we have found that uh, if we actually use the product as a filter, and again, it's, it's low tech, just a way of filtering, we can rebalance that pH. We can bring it from over 13 to back down to a neutral band um, using only about 60 grams per liter. So that's, an interest, that's another interesting way that we're looking to protect the environment. So all the time is filtration. So, remember, well, I'm completely naive to exactly what it is that, so you talk about peat bogs and you are pulling, putting peat bogs into a kind of filtration system that and then you're passing. And the peat bog is a, fil is a filter that yeah, you're putting from. We, we, what we do is when we harvest it, we dry it and we sieve it, um, we pH balance it, and it becomes uh, quite a fine flaky powder. And then what we do is we compress that into bricks, um, or we put it into different products, into, into uh, geotextiles, it forms a mat, or uh, it can become a sock or a, uh, with a pipe in it, which would allow water to filter through it. There's many different products that we can make out of it. I, I totally can I can totally understand what it is you're saying now, mm. uh, and the peat bogs you talked about Canada. Do does it come from Canada or is it from well, the UK? From well, we do not have a sustainable source in the United Kingdom or in Ireland um, and across Europe in the nineteenth um, and twentieth uh, centuries. Um, these peat bogs were decimated by people using the peat as fuel. So we don't have access to the quantities that they have in Canada. Um, and we address, um, we, we, um, we use the Canadian uh, spagnum peat moss on the basis that it's abundant. It's there, it's easy to harvest, there's great wide open spaces. We don't, we never ever harvest a, a, a bog more than once every six years. Mm. Everything is put back and controlled. Um, it's what they call a veriflora standard. Um, but it's very controlled, the harvesting of the peat, so that we, we have something that is completely sustainable. Okay. And how did you, I mean, how did you get into this? How did you, I mean, what, how did you under, start to understand it? Is your background in chemical no, engineering? No. Um, or? 
Uh, we were looking at, um, I was working in industrial computing and we were looking at um, wind turbines and operating wind turbines in very low temperatures. So you take them out to Utah or somewhere like that. And in the winter, it can be minus 40 or something like that and, or minus 20. Um, and the computers that control the wind turbines don't like to boot up at that, uh, at that temperature. So we were looking at putting some sort of um, pre-heating uh, mechanism within them to bring them up to temperature so that when they went to boot, they, they didn't just fall over. Yeah. And I, I saw some um, really interesting new wind turbines that the um, Dutch were building. Um, and I thought, well, that's really quite an interesting thing. And, and once you start to look at um, uh, renewable technologies, um, it, it grabbed my enthusiasm. Um, and from then talking to people about that sort of thing, the other issues of environmental contamination um, being through hydrocarbons and chemicals um, started to interest me. Mm. And it was um, then that um, Alex and I thought, well, there must be something here that we can do. There must be somebody we can talk to that we can... Um, produce something that is going to address the situations that we have. So that's when we stumbled across um, the products that are being harvested and manufactured in, in, the, in Canada and the US. Um, we've taken it a, a stage further, really, because we work with water utilities as well, because we're really conscious of, of um, commercial um, contamination of the wastewater system. You know, it doesn't matter if you're making salads or you're making um, um, patisserie um, or you're, uh, you're, you're a baker. The, 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 um, the contamination of the wastewater supply is something that uh, the um, utilities are becoming increasingly aware of. And of course, um, penalizing companies that are producing that waste is their way forward. Um, we believe that actually we should stop it. Um, and it's okay to have a form of flat trap, which, um, um, which collects um, solidified waste, um, but that doesn't stop the emulsified fats and dissolved sugars from entering the system. And that's what we're trying to do. So that we, we produce, um, uh, what we're researching at the present time uh, and trying to develop um, a system whereby very simple, um, inexpensive system whereby we can trap the emulsified fats and the, and the dissolved sugars um, so that they don't enter the, the wastewater system um, um, in the first place. Yeah. So, so, so that's, what we, that's what we try to do. Hmm. Try to solve the problems that, are, that exist by stopping them happening rather than by just saying, well, you know, um, if you're going to do this, then you've got to pay a fine. I know uh, I'm... I used to be chairman for the Metropolitan Branch for Chartered Institute for Water and Environmental Management. Do you know Simon? No, I don't know them particularly well, no. They are, they work largely with Arup and Atkins and Michelle Partman and the larger engineering companies. And they would be, they put on free talks all the time and they would be fascinated to have you talk at, I know that because I'm still on the board for them. And if I could pass your details on to of course. them, because you would have a load of engineers absolutely salvolating over what it is that you're talking about, having put on so many events over the last, God knows how many years. And um, brilliant. Thank you. Uh, so 
have you always been interested in sustainability and, and the environment? Um, no, I don't know. I, as I say, um, it's, um, it's really the advent of grandchildren and um, their ability, and, and uh, I suppose our kids, we have five kids between us, uh, um, they are more aware of the, their environment than I think I ever was as a, as a young man. Um, and I think it's become, well, certainly in the last year, it's certainly become a hot topic, you know, and people are genuinely concerned um, about how we treat our environment um, and what we can do to um, prevent this, the kind of pollution that we're talking about. Um, as we said earlier, uh, uh, the use of single-use, the, the single-use plastic is an issue. But when you consider, um, if you spill one litre of oil it will into water, it will contaminate one million litres. You know, it spreads out to a micron thick and it, it's, it is incredibly damaging. So we need to stop this happening. And there, I think there are two issues. One is, it is obviously in, in something like construction. The other is, of course, is in transportation. Um, and, and just how much do we um, leak from ships, either inadvertently or deliberately? You know, there was, there was a culture some while ago of washing your bilge tanks out um, while you're at sea. Always on an outgoing tide, they used to say. Um, and this is this kind of practice fortunately is stopping here in the UK, but that doesn't mean to say it is everywhere else. You know, um, I also think there's a way we could, we may be able to do something for the garment, the textile industry, because hot and cold dyes create an enormous amount of pollution in the, uh, in, in the um, subcontinent. Um, and in that manufacturing, we should be able to um, reuse the water we should be able to decontaminate it and use it again. Um, all of this, of course, is research and development. It all costs money. Um, and, uh, but it's something that we've looked at and we've done a little, couple of little trials on it and it works pretty well. But again, it's a case of how much are we gonna need? Um, how would it work? How will we build something that could deal with the literage that, that, that this is going to, this is going to produce, you know, when we started to um, take heavy metals out of water for a wastewater company, you know, um, when we're doing it at um, um, a litre a minute, uh, it's really very effective. But hang on a minute, if we actually now upscale to thousands of litres that we now have to uh, clean, we've got to build the machine that's going to do it. And whilst it'll be gravity fed and it's going to be low tech, it's still going to be there. And then because of the size of our, our um, sewage treatment works, which are quite small, we've got to be able to move it around. So it's got to be modular. Um, so that all of these things that um, have to be um, designed and built um, are, quite, are, are tricky, you know, and all within a budget. So the, we always have to remember that Whilst the, the construction industry is pretty good, it's getting pretty good with its environmental advisors, you know, and they, they, they really do know how to protect and guard against pollution now. Mm. Um, we have to persuade the people in procurement that actually it's a price worth paying. Yeah. And that's yeah. behavioral change, and that's a difficult thing to do. Mm. Funny enough, the, um, we were, 
I was talking to a, another podcast uh, interviewee this morning all about communications and about how we are able to communicate to the wider public. You know, how do we communicate? It's all very well doing all this stuff, but actually, what do we need to put in place? And communication is known as a, it's just, it's bad. It's um, not, I, I, and I don't know about your opinion, but exasperated by the media and the way that they portray certain aspects of environmental. It can, it can be. I think some people have uh, different agendas. Yeah, yeah. And vilify the wrong people as well. It, it, it's, it's also, you know, uh, it's a balance between um, protecting the environment and progress. Every time you build a railway line or a road or um, a block of flats, there is an impact on the environment. But these um, utilities we need, and we have we have to build roads. We have to build railways, um, not specifically any that are being built at the present time. But that has to be balanced, you know. So a lot of people that are environmentalists would rather have no building, but that's not practical. No, we have no, to have a balance. Yeah. It's sustainability as a whole though, isn't it? Sustainability, and that's the way we look at it, green element is sustainability doesn't stop just at environmental management. It's not, it is all incorporating, it's the whole business. And we were talking about the B Corp certification before, and that is partly why we went down that route to incorporate sustainability throughout the whole organization in order to be able to help another organization through its sustainability. Mm. So you've how do you think you can um what like where what where where do you see yourself like where do you what what would you like to see and how do you think you can influence change um in the future where do you see you in future years well, um, how do we, how do we um influence change um i think the short answer in one word is persistence um, <laughs> We, 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 we keep on up people, but what we've done is introducing what we call C, site environmental awareness, is a way forward for us. Um, and whilst we're a commercial company and we, we, we need to make a profit, um, we also need to establish certain ways of behaving. So we offer a free service to all our customers, whereby we go and we'll visit site and we sit uh, in the porter cabin or outside the porter cabin and all the site personnel are there. It's normally when they have their lunch and break. Um, and we go through environmental protection, what to be aware of, what to look for. And, and as we become uh, a more diverse workforce, we have to consider other things like, um, English is not the first language of a lot of people that are working in construction, for example, today. Yeah. No. So therefore, how are we going to make sure that should something happen, we can affect and mitigate um, that spill quickly and efficiently? And by talking to people and understanding what their, what their uh, processes are, we can say, okay, we can do certain things to make your lives easier, which is what we do. Um, we, we make sure that things are color-coded rather than just with um, uh, writing on 
Um, we make sure that everything is manageable. So, for example, health and safety used to say um, the maximum deadlift for one person was 25 kilos. It now says whatever you're comfortable with. So why would we load something that weighs 25 kilos into um, something that's going to control spill, for example? Uh, firstly, because if you've got something that weighs 25 kilos in a bag, you're going to use 25 kilos. Um, secondly, because it's going to give you a, a bit of an injury to the back, possibly. And we want to make an economy is the third thing. So we put smaller sizes of, of, of bags into spill kits so that they're easily manageable, so that the spill is easily mitigated. And yeah. we give this education on site, as I say, free of charge, so that we can start to see behavioural change. And once you get the buy-in from the people and we get a tremendous um, uh, satisfaction from the fact that everybody likes what we're trying to do, not the product, because that's secondary, but the fact that we're trying to make their lives easier and protect the environment at the same time. And that's a good way forward. But it's a lot of work and a lot of traveling, you know, and we need to really be educating the environmental advisors so that they can pass this on within their own organizations. They're invaluable. And do you have a team of people around the UK advising um, companies or...? We don't sell direct to um, companies. Uh, we use distributors. Right. So we become part of the PPE or the health and safety and environmental arm of a distributor, um, which um, there are several to the construction industry. Um, so we hope uh, and that, that we train um, our distributors so that they can go out and they can offer the same, um, they call them toolbox talks yeah. Uh, yeah. to people on sites. Um, we still go out and do a lot of them, but we're doing, we've got five or six this week, I think. Mm. But um, unfortunately, well, fortunately, I like doing them. <laughs> so it doesn't really... ear to the ground, doesn't it? It's talking to people. Well, uh, you know, absolutely. If we, if we um, go to, uh, we go to some pretty big um, construction sites. Um, Crossrail is a, is a prime example. Yeah. But to get the feedback um, from the people on site, not only to say we really like this and the way that, 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 that we're being educated here, but all of a sudden sometimes somebody says to you, you know what, if you did this rather than that, it would make your products better. And suddenly, as, as has happened to us with a large um, marine construction company, they said this doesn't work. We have a problem with the way that you've built something. It was a, a, an absorbent marine boom, and it just doesn't work for us. It, it's, it's full of flaws. So deflated, uh, we said, well, well, what's the problem? And they told us what the problem was, and we said, okay, we'll, we'll work on it. And we designed and built something, um, which won an innovation award um, um, with the Environment Age of the Exemplar Award, uh, whereby we actually now have a product that properly works. And as um, they said, now we're not paying lip service to environmental conservation. We're actually doing it. We're protecting the river. So that's that's the great feedback that you get from people when they tell you, actually, you're not as clever as you think you are because you should be doing it like this. Yeah. So it's, it's a good way to get out and to understand the issues that the people have in the field. So um, how, do, how would we... 
where do you think some of our listeners should could get started if they're working on a construction site or um, if they're in a position where they have a um, influence within the arena that you're that you're in? What 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 could they do? What could um, how could they get started? Well, there are certainly environmental consultancies that you can talk to. Um, we obviously are, are biased to our own products. Um, so we're, we're not completely, in, we're not independent at all. Um, but we would certainly be happy to talk to anybody who wants any advice on environmental protection without any sort of obligation. You know, talk to us. We, we, we like to talk about, um, you know, uh, being proactive on site. You know, so, I mean, talk to us by all means. Talk to your environmental um, consultant. But more often than not, they have environmental advisors. And the environmental advisors have plans, you know, and, and there will be a structure to it. There will be, as the same as there is a health and um, uh, risk assessment done, it will be done for the environment as well. And pretty professionally with, with most of, uh, of, of the construction companies that we work with, in fact, almost all of the construction companies we, we work with, I say are very proficient at, at looking after the ecology of the, of the area in which they're working. You know, and it's difficult. It's especially more difficult um, if you're working near the water. Yeah, yeah. It's vulnerable. Mm. Okay. So um, what's the one thing you'd like people to do after this podcast? What, what would you want as an action as within sustainability? What, what would you want people to do? I think your thought process has to change. I think the one thing that uh, I would say is, you know, um, just think before you tip that frying pan down the sink. Mm. What is the impact going to be? Just, just, and and just think before you throw the can on the floor when you're walking down the street. Mm. Just have a think about the fact that there's a bin somewhere. Yeah. Think about your impact on the environment, not just for um, yourself, but for your kids and their kids. A little bit more tolerance and a little bit more thought and consideration wouldn't go amiss. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Thank you so much today, Nick. Um, welcome. We'll be putting links up to your website and everything um, on, on the podcast notes. Um, so thank you very much for your time. It's been brilliant. It's been really interesting listening to you. Um, having, dealing with spill kits on a fairly regular basis as an organisation, it's quite nice to talk to the... Um, the beginning part, as it were, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, if there's anything you need, just let me know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Will. Thanks so much for listening. We created this podcast for you. So we'd really appreciate any feedback you want to give us. You can do that by rating and reviewing on your favourite podcast. Or for iTunes, visit www.greenelement.co.uk forward slash apple if you'd like to keep in touch then we invite you to join our free facebook community which is everything to do with sustainable and ethical business lots of daily conversations themes and great ideas a really great place to work and network with like-minded individuals if you open facebook and search for the green element hit the group search function we will let you right in all of the show notes, any links, any references to the, on this podcast will be featured on our website, greenelement.co.uk.
As a special thank you for listening, please head over to www.greenelement.co.uk forward slash podcast 2018 and you can pick up a free guide on how to green up and environmentalise your business or organisation. That's greenelement.co.uk forward slash podcast 2018. Finally, I would like to thank Ben Chatwin for writing the fantastic opening music. He is an amazing artist with a phenomenal following. It was a privilege he said yes to even write it for us. We look forward to seeing you next week and hope you have a wonderful day.